I made a mess upon the stair. I didn't make it to the john. Do not think less of me is my prayer. Don't dwell upon it when I'm gone. I've left behind more pleasant things. I've touched some people, shown some grit. Call that to mind and sound sad strings. And careful not to step in it. <laughs> that and more assorted works from the author of that poem and his brother on today's Accept the Mystery. JFIO presents. <laughs> what are you kidding? We got us some family here. This ain't no cool, huh? I'm not going to sit here and debate. I'll show you the life of a mind. You will find a fortune. Good would not be the fortune you seek. I suppose you think you've raised hell. When I've raised hell, you'll know it. Something is very wrong. I don't want Santana Abraxas. I've just been in a terrible auto accident. What's the most you ever lost in the coin toss? Sometimes knowledge is Accept the mystery. The Coen Brothers podcast. This is Accept the Mystery. This is the podcast where we talk about every single Coen Brothers movie and play and poem and short story. We're going full completionist today um, in, in insane levels of detail. My name is Josh Richmond, um, joined by my trusty, lovely, intelligent, amazing <laughs> co-host, Jackie Lechtold say. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, have you seen any movies since the last time we did this podcast? That's so funny. You should <laughs> ask. I saw this movie called Jupiter Ascending. Have you seen it? I also saw that movie. <laughs> How random. That Starring your your uh, your idol, Mila Kunis. That's like, right. The most successful like Russian woman like in the world. Well, that's true. You know what? I totally believed her as somebody with perfect genes. She that's seemed true. like She seemed like she would have perfect genes. <laughs> Too bad the uh, movie was less than perfect. Our, yeah, our guest didn't see this movie, but she's basically playing like the scion of this like intergalactic dynasty that has like one in a million like amazing genetics that make her royalty. Right. No, which I've mean, I've heard a review of it on uh, NPR. Which it was means a that a, review, right? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, did you did you know that if your if your uh, galactic royalty bees won't sting you, they'll just fly around you? Is that so? Yeah. God. Bees I, are basically so royalty it detectors. Was so lame. I really I really enjoyed the hell out of that movie. I, oh my God. <laughs> they were they were going through. In this review on NPR, they were going through some of the lines on it uh, in it, and um, I've heard the dialogue is amazing. Oh, <laughs> truly brilliant! <laughs> they, they they played the clip of her talking to um, Channing Tatum and saying like, "But I like dogs." <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. no, that was yeah, my she's totally she's totally coming on to She's like, he's like, I'm basically a dog. She's like, I like dogs. Okay, no, 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 no. It was, it was, it was I love dogs, I, I love and dogs. I was with Ellie watch it, and I we couldn't stop dogs. saying, "I love." Love dogs after the movie we're just like oh god like i love dogs oh hey are you a, are you a dog i love dogs but i love dogs <laughs> um, I, no, see if she'd said it like that that would have been kind of like okay no, it was maybe kind of, it, it was, was kind of like i that. mean it was kind of a subversive moment in the film because like, like she's totally coming dogs. on to, she's totally coming on to chatting tatum and chatting tatum just like totally shuts her down and she's like oh I mean, it's very, it's very ugh. rare you see that situation. It's, you can't see how hard I'm rolling my eyes right she's now. She's almost, yeah. a, she's kind of a strong female character. Is she? Yes. Like, really? I really? I don't know. Uh, Josh. Where she, like, she starts the <laughs> movie like she's going to like sell her eggs. And then by the end of the movie, she's like kicking ass and taking her spot as a queen. And it's cool. She's got agency. It's good. I, she I like. She doesn't have agency. He was like saving her the whole time. <gasps> I woke up and I'm undressed and you undressed me. Like, I, mean, I don't know. The whole thing was so. <laughs> she did go to sleep and then wake up and he was, he had just like undressed her in her sleep. That was kind of creepy. Overall, I like the movie a lot, though. It was like really campy in the right way. And kind of like, <laughs> I like it. It's like it felt like a proper era to Star Wars because Star Wars is what? also because Star Wars is also like it's unintentionally goofy and campy. Uh, in no, the same Star ways. Wars good. Trooper Ascending, not so much. All right, I 
I give it a thumbs up. Jackie gives it a thumbs down. I give it two thumbs down. All right. I just give it, I, I'm only giving it one thumb up. My other thumb is, is agnostic. Our guest hasn't seen it yet, so we shouldn't spoil any more of the movie for her. Today's guest. No, she should. She should make her up her own mind. She's a comic. She's my pee in a pod, so I know that she's going to agree with me anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's a comic and improviser who dissects genitals for fun and profit. Oh, Franco Pillsbury, welcome to the show. No profit. I make uh, <laughs> negative money each profit, day. You know what? Profit eventually, right? Uh, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I, you know. As a doctor, I'll make some money. But fun, but fun always. <laughs> but I can't fun imagine anything always. more fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, there was in the dissection, like, you have to, like, hold certain body parts for a long time, like, so that, like, you know, they're out of the way of whoever is, you know, using the scalpel. So right. there's just been awkward moments <laughs> when we're going through, like, repro. Oh. Yeah. Little yeah. French handshake. Yeah. Wow. What? It's just <laughs> called? I don't know. I, I just literally just made up that term right now. French but I imagine you could, I imagine they call it that in France. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but nothing, no. There's been nothing, like, inappropriate done. Apparently, I heard one year, like, I don't know if this was at my school or at a different school, like, someone took the intestines out and, like, jump roped with them. Ew. Oh, God. Yeah. People are such I, freaks. I, and no. It's, it's like, like, not You probably never saw the movie Freddy Got Fingered, but uh, but Tom Green has to, like, deliver a baby in that movie. No, and he, like, pulls out the it. fetus and starts swinging it around by the umbilical cord. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Who makes yeah. movies oh, like this? <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> we should really get it. We got a, We have a few things we need to cover today. Today is the... This is the official, like, grab bag episode where we really... Except the mystery really makes its mark here as Coen Brothers Completists. Because <laughs> we're going past the movies and we're stepping into the written word and into the theater. <laughs> and we're really going to get get deep into this stuff. And we watched some short films, too. So we got to get into all that. But first, we have to get into our guest in a segment called Inside Franco Pillsbury. So almost an evening is a play in three acts. And the first act is basically a guy who's sitting around in a waiting room for a very, 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 very long time. What's your least favorite place to wait? Or what's your least favorite, like, errand you have to do where you're like, ugh. That's going to take forever and be really boring. Oh, good question. Um, waiting in the doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. Um, that's pretty bad. Although uh, my current doctor, I don't have to wait very long. It's through like the student health center. But honestly, waiting at the doctor's office is pretty bad. Um, let's see. I, fe- I, I never wait that long at the doctor's office when I go to the doctor. Usually they take me pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of places do, like I said, my current doctor. But there have been a couple of times where I've had to wait so long. And it's, I mean, I don't get mad because I understand that they've got a, a right. lot. Right, because you can but, see it from the uh, other side. You're like, I yeah. know the pressure you're under. Right. Yeah. But um, thankfully, I haven't had to do too many boring errands. I just, I guess, because... With med school, I just kind of don't do whatever is too boring. I don't do it. Like I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess for me personally, I got to say anything involving mail or having oh, to deliver yeah. mail or pick up mail. It seems well. just like the the occasions that I actually have to deal with the postal service in any way are so few and far between in 2015. Mm-hmm. Then when I do have to like actually print something out and put it in an envelope and then wait in line to hand it to somebody it just seems like such a ridiculous waste of time. I'm angry yeah. at myself the entire time <clears throat> I'm there. So I I would have said mail until I moved to Glassell Park and I don't I don't even want to say this. 
because I don't want people to know, but the Glassell Park uh, um, mail station is like amazing. There's no one there. And I live like, it's just down the hill from me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like a reason enough to move there to yeah. that neighborhood. I, I was trying to talk Josh into moving to the east side earlier. We were talking about <laughs> it. It's cool though. And I was it like is. and I was like, is it hip? And she's it like, Oh, hip. it's hip. Uh, it is. You better. What believe kind of question it. is that? You're right? not hip to be asking that kind of question. And you don't deserve to live in a hip area if you ask questions like that, Josh. <laughs> Wait, excuse me? Excuse me? Are you calling yeah. me not hip? I'm saying that if you're not hip if you're asking if Glassell Park is hip. Oh. Oh, you're saying if you have to ask what the hip neighborhood is, then you don't you're deserve not to hip. live in the hip right. neighborhood. You don't deserve to live there. You just the hip people just just know they've got like a sixth yeah. sense it's like radar yeah although i i have sort of mixed feelings about like the hipness i guess of the area because of like but you have authentic mexican food well yeah no <laughs> but I, post I, offices I know. have nobody in it i don't know it's great no no no, no. The, the my like uh, hold up i guess is because of like watching the gentrification happen of the area and like anyway <laughs> That's my... the f- just the fact that I've been thinking about moving to the valley recently means that I'm probably never going to be cool again for the rest of my life. Oh, just the gosh. fact that those thoughts are even in my head. I, it's... <laughs> we can't help you. Let's move on. I, it, no, I know. It's, it's, it's like it's terminal. I guess <laughs> I, 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 I honestly do. I, I've never felt particularly cool to begin with, but, but I know I've, I've, I've now passed. What? You have a Prius. You're cool. I thought you said something completely different. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jackie, what's your least favorite errand to have to do? Um, I think my least favorite is also like my orthodontist or dentist because I feel like if I'm like, first of all, this happens even when I'm not late, but like, say I'm five minutes late. Then I wait for like a fucking hour and I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, this can't be right. Oh, you know and, what? That's what your guys' problem is. I always, I'm always on time for a No, but even, <laughs> even when I'm on time. Even when I'm on time, it doesn't happen every time, but there are just days where, like, I have waited so long, and I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, your appointments are stacked up. Like, this should... And especially because I'm not talking about, like, when I'm late for an appointment, I'm not talking about the one where it's, like, significant work needs to be done. I'm talking, Mm -hmm. like, check the Invisalign. Is this shit straight? No. Keep it for three more weeks. Like, they're very fast appointments. So, like, you just squeeze me in between people, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, having to wait feels, like, super insulting. So I think those are annoying, but it doesn't happen too often. But that's definitely the most annoying because I I don't have a male problem because I can do everything from work. So I can just, like... This That's is so nice. snotty, yeah. but like my assistant also does mail for me, so I'm just like, if you could just like mail this certified or mail this plane. I actually always pack up my own, so I buy a lot of stuff from Zappos and all that, obviously. So my office obviously. is like a mail station or like nasty gal, but like I always ship stuff to my house. But Guys, if you'd I... ask yourself, does Jackie buy a lot of stuff from Zappos? Yes, yes, yes obviously. Um, so stuff like that, though, like I ship from the office, but like I'll take it to my house, right? But so if I'm ever sending anything back, I pack up the boxes, but I always pack up the boxes myself because i'm just like there's you know valuable there's stuff prin- inside yeah. and i just want to make sure it gets there fine and but it's also part, it's the, prin- it's my- the principle of it partly that's that's the kind of stuff where you're like you don't want to give it to some assistant to handle well i could have like our male people be like hey can you just pack this up and sometimes i do but i just typically don't feel comfortable having them do it like i'd rather just do it myself but it's convenient because i can just we have a ups drop off and it's like the easiest thing in the world so it's something you have it's something right you now. have in common of taylor swift you know she like packaged all those gifts that she sent out to the people around the world like herself did you see that video oh i, I did saw that yeah, I did yeah. Not. <laughs> but i'll take i'll take a complimentary it actually to taylor swift. i felt like i learned a lot about taylor swift actually from that video i realized that she's the kind of person who gets really into wrapping presents oh very martha One stewart of the, very martha stewart yeah, well, That's she's really nice to her fans. 
but also like even if she didn't give a shit about her fans i think she would like wrapping presents anyways yeah some true. people some people just like putting things in boxes it's and putting fun. it covering in fun paper and like, <laughs> oh, I do. Like, I sometimes I'll I'll go really like all out. I will make I will like make ribbon out of the wrapping paper, you know, mm-hmm. where you like curl it and stuff. Yeah, I create a bow and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, sometimes I've done like origami, like on the top of the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean. I don't know. It didn't look that great. I'm not actually skilled. It's just fun. <laughs> you just, it's like just it. It's just like it's an enjoyable process. <laughs> yeah. At least two times in the last year, I've just given somebody an unwrapped present in like a Ralph's shopping bag. Uh-huh. You did that for me. I think I did do that for you, Yeah, Jack. you definitely did. <laughs> With uh, this gift right here. Oh, at least. Yeah. Hey, it... It's a you very know, nice gift. You know, it was to though, offset so. how wonderful the gift is. No, the, it was the like gift a purpose. It was funny because you just called yourself out. For <laughs> I put effort into the gifts. Do. I could care less You're about like, the wrap. Take this. Yeah. I went shopping. <laughs> I think he wrapped our uh, Christmas presents. Didn't no, he? I, no, I I pulled it out of a giant bag. Oh, <laughs> like Santa, well, like Santa okay, Claus. Never, well, there you <laughs> go. Here you go, children. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> The, one of the other plays, one of the other acts in this almost an evening trifecta that we read, uh, in, involves uh, heaven and hell. And whether, actually, no, I think it's the same play. Whether somebody thinks they're waiting for heaven, but they actually realize they've been in hell this whole time. I like mm-hmm. that one. Um, do you believe in heaven or hell? Do you believe in any sort of afterlife? Um, I do, um, but I don't believe in heaven and hell. What's your um, conception of the afterlife like? Uh. I this is so funny I would like I I generally don't talk to to people about this unless they're my like dear friends but here you are um but now we're I'm <laughs> broadcasting this you know enlightened people this is one of those issues that like I think every you know everybody is afraid of death and everybody wants to know what's on the other side and... well yeah and um so here are my thoughts um I I believe in reincarnation personally, so I, I do believe that we have souls um, and that there is some sort of afterlife, um, although the idea that you would have sort of a one shot at it, um, at, you know, salvation in this, you know, 75... So you're like a, you're a, you a, you're a dualist then? Think like mind, <clears throat> body, two different things? Kind of the mind lives on after the body dies? Uh, kind of? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is going to get into too much because uh, we've both read uh, my dear professor, um, John Searle. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose I have not completely figured out ev- my whole position on the mind body issue, um, but I wouldn't let's table that because I actually would love to discuss that at some other, yeah. like after rereading um, his works and the other like philosophy of it's, mind. It's stuff. one of those really tricky ones. I, I yeah. used to be a, a hardcore, just materialist, like mm-hmm. the mind and the body are exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not totally sure. I could almost see how there is kind of maybe some sort of in like a very like naturalistic sense, like kind of group minds that all minds are a part of and eventually returns back to that. Well, yeah, I, I don't think they're, I don't feel they're exactly the same thing. I don't think that consciousness can com- be completely reduced to like neurons firing right. and synapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, agree with I that. but it is a very complex problem. Um, and uh, one thing I was going to say about, you know, uh, 
these metaphysical questions is that I don't believe that there is any um, proof one way or the other. Um, and I, I don't think that it's possible. I really like Kant's proof that he does in the critique of pure reason about mm. like how you just can't reason these things out. There is no, Oh yeah. You know, it's, and, it's basically a leap of faith, whichever way mm-hmm. you side oh, God, on it. It's 100%. not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. No. And you know, everybody who's ever tried to like prove that the Bible is literally true and be like, see, here's the proof that Noah right. wrote on a giant ark for 40 days and 40 right. nights. Like, I just want, you're missing the entire point. Yeah. There's no way yeah. to, there's no way to prove or disprove this stuff. If you're going to believe in God, it's just got to be because you believe it and not because it can be proven by science. Because well, you'll right. never be able to prove and it. And I, I get as fired up well, as sort of like angry about that kind of dogma as I do about atheist dogma, because um, some Agreed. some atheists are just as dogmatic as fundamentalists. Oh, completely, yeah. And I like to to think that you have definitely disproven the existence of God. I just, I mean, absence of proof is yeah. a proof of absence. Right. Exactly. So right. it just exactly. Uh, not that I say that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. I mean, I just. I Judge Jackie has waited on yeah. the existence of God. I don't, I'm not saying which is more like rational, a belief in God or a, belie- or a disbelief in God, but like saying that it's like obvious one way or the other right. because mm-hmm. of, of reason if and there, logic yeah. is, yeah. is there, very if, silly. If there yeah, is okay. a God, we'll never know for sure. If there isn't a God, we'll never know for sure. Right. We just, we just don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I agree with yeah. all that. Um, At the same time, while I totally think that's true, is there is there an afterlife? Is there a world beyond this one that we'd mm-hmm. have any sort of consciousness or like would we retain our identities and mm-hmm. after we die? I I highly doubt it. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really 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 unlikely. Uh-huh. Even if there is some sort of life force that lives on beyond us, I think we would maybe just kind of become aware of all space and time at once and the entire cosmos oh, you lose mean, ourselves. Do you mean like retaining our personality and that kind of thing? Yeah. The yeah. idea that like, yeah, yeah. you're going to, you know, you're going to like meet your grandma and have all your favorite foods. Oh, right. And- right. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't buy that either. And in my like view of reincarnation, that stuff doesn't stick with you. Yeah. I agree too. Although I, reading like these plays and thinking about this question in this context too makes me think about whether there is sort of like a holding place before you go on because I also believe in reincarnation but I haven't really thought through whether you kind of immediately reincarnate or Mm -hmm. there's like a holding situation where you do meet other souls that you knew before Mm -hmm. or you are in some sort of like purgatory or something like that or decision making um so I'm not sure about that but I've never for me personally it's never resonated there's like a heaven or a hell Mm -hmm. and I think that like you will be reincarnated and deal with whatever like (laughs) it is that you didn't handle in your last however many lives you had I think like that comes back up in your next life so maybe you have like more of a hellish life the next time around or something like that where like there isn't a literal heaven heaven or hell I think there's just well, situations right. would be in, down the line. I think the idea that um, most people who believe in in um, reincarnation ascribe to is that um, it, it does take a while for you to come back around, um, and the more like developed you are, the longer it will take because there are f- fewer lessons that you need to learn, and then yeah, it's maybe. like based on specific like karmic lessons that you need to learn. And then when yeah. you and then in theory, once you've lived like the perfect life, then you just get to live in nirvana forever afterwards. Yeah, well, the idea in in a 
remember the the Buddha like had reached nirvana and then and then said, "No, I I don't want to go there. I want to come back to earth until everyone else has also reached nirvana." Was uh-huh. basically, I mean, I'm paraphrasing right, terribly, right. but I think that I don't know. Was anyway, I'm I'm no Buddhist expert. Yeah, I'm not either. Means. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I can contribute I'm, more. Um, I'm, yeah, I know. But Kabbalah I, has reincarnation aspects too, but I haven't studied it. A lot of know. it's you know it's weird. A lot of religions from all yeah, around the world do. have that aspect of reincarnation. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily coincidence. I, I think it's probably more a factor of human psychology than well, any sort of mass revelation. Right. You I could know. argue either. Yeah. <laughs> you could ar- right. But. Yeah, who knows? I, who knows? And I guess, I guess the only, <laughs> I guess the only issue I have with that concept of reincarnation is the judgment aspect. That after we die, like we'll essentially be judged on our successes and our failures, and then be sent back to try to correct those failures. I don't know if I don't think, I don't think whatever force is animating us to be reborn again, if that is actually a thing, mm-hmm. cares especially about what we did with our time on Earth. Really, kind of, it might Ooh, just be kind of so we're, randomly, we're randomly thrown back. It's not nihilistic. It doesn't mean that I don't think anything we do matters. I think what but we do matters. But you're saying that God. Or I'm just saying. I'm just saying matter. that whoever's reincarnating us doesn't care. No, here's an interesting <laughs> question. Okay, um, if if there is something reincarnating us and um, it doesn't care, why? If it, I'm I'm assuming that then you that it would have to have created us. Right. I don't. I don't. I think of it more like like a constant, you know, like a conservation of energy sort of thing. Like, okay. okay, if we have a life force and that life force can't be created or destroyed, then once we're no longer in a living body, that it just has to go somewhere. Well, I'm just wondering huh. what the That's purpose of us would be then if it doesn't care <laughs> what we do. Well, the pur- um, well, the purpose is something that we have to ultimately decide. I think. Like we decided as we're living rather than a God deciding yeah. or a thing deciding that we need to learn a lesson or not. But that's why I think it's also, I don't even think that there is a God necessarily that judges you in that way. Cause I don't mm-hmm. know if I believe in a one specific God. I think mm-hmm. I feel like there's like a God force or spirit force or something like that that's in everyone. So if you do have to be reborn to learn certain lessons or do certain things, that are karmically related, then I think that comes also sort of from within where you're like, okay, this time around X, Y, Z didn't happen or I didn't quite learn whatever lesson. And so when you come back, like you have to go through whatever path to keep learning that lesson, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't necessarily be from like an exterior God. It might be from like the God that's in everyone. And then that direct like you. like you know um, yeah that force is like this is the fulfillment i didn't get last time around so here's yeah. my chance to give it another shot jackie Maybe. the monist <laughs> yeah. the what monist what's that it's just basically the philosophic belief that um there is one like unifying god entity and like it's in all of us and it's yeah, I think I think yeah. that. Yeah. I think and I that's, believe that. that's kind of what I was I mean, thinking. That's... I think there's I think that's a lot of my thinking too, like what <clears> I was <throat> saying before that maybe we're all part of one giant sort of life force, whatever yeah, that life force I, is. I mean, I would uh maybe consider myself a monist cuz whatever god view I have isn't like this anthropomorphic uh you know, barobed figure that we mm-hmm. see yes. in this play. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on Twitter. <laughs> right. It's more like, uh, you know, more amorphous and yeah. Yeah. This is all good stuff, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like I that want this a separate is... episode about this. I know. This I know. This is much more interesting we than could... some other things we've ever talked about. No offense to our podcast. Just no. <laughs> I'd be happy to actually delve into the mind-body problem if we had we should. longer. I'd be we should. We happy. should do a whole We're we going should do a whole to. And I think everyone episode. should do a little bit of reading, too, on something they don't know about. 
I'm cool with it. I mean, you guys know way more than I do. This is clear. So I'll read up more. <laughs> guys, I'm totally like quoted. I'm totally quoted to do like a, a Josh figures it out where we just talk philosophy the entire time. Oh, I'm down. To. Oh, I'm down. So in. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right, moving on. Stay tuned. But I also <laughs> like that. I also like that the the reading we did for this episode, I think, is the kind of thing that prompts this kind of discussion, yeah, which is cool. Agree. Mm-hmm. Agree. So with that said, let's let's start diving into it in a segment called the Big Reviewski. So Joel and Ethan Cohen are known primarily as filmmakers and feature filmmakers, but they are not only feature filmmakers. Hmm. For one thing, uh, they have done two short films that were both part of larger film anthologies. Um, one was a movie called Paris Jetame. It was a kind of a series of loosely connected short films. Jetame. Sorry. Paris Jetame. Well, no. then you would also have to say Paris. But yeah. No, but <laughs> we're not going yeah. there. We're Paris Jetame. All right. No. Franco gets this one. No. Paris Jetame? No. Paris Jetame. Have you seen the last vignette in that movie? No. Oh, because it's basically this woman who's reading her... Um, like French translations book, and she just has the worst French accent. <laughs> so she's like, Paris J. Tame, whores do vrais, but anyway, it's vrais. really cute. It's, Who, I mean, come on, whoever invented French is the worst. There's so many <laughs> unnecessary silent letters, oh worse, and an R that don't pronounce. It's it's so dumb. It's really just dumb. Um, but the Cohen, so it was a series of connected short films all about Paris, and the Cohen brothers connected, uh, directed one called Tuileries, starring Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just watched that right now. Basically, Steve Buscemi. In like <laughs> I a, loved it. Sorry, I'm just laughing thinking about it. It's basically like Steve Buscemi in like a like a metro station gets an I guess an altercation with a with a French <laughs> because, couple because of eye contact. Because <laughs> he was reading the guidebook that said do not make eye contact with the locals like they're zoo animals. Yeah, and then he makes eye contact and. I don't know, Jackie, do you want to describe what happens in this short? What happens? Um, okay, you know, he's reading the guidebook. It says, like, you know, do not make eye contact. And then he looks across the way for the subway, and there was, like, a couple that's, like, all over each other making out. And uh, he immediately, like, locks eyes with the woman. And then the guy's, like, in her lap, um, sort of... <laughs> like a baby almost like they're making out but then like he turns and looks too and they all make eye contact and then uh the french guy starts like yelling, starts at, yelling him, at him right. yeah and uh and he's Buscemi has to look it up it's something like you know what are you looking at you cunt like you something cunt, like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like i like how that's in the guidebook too like, yeah, like yeah. what are you looking at yeah. cunt is like, yeah. Yeah. that's in the guidebook yep. yeah and yeah, then, i don't think like photos would ever actually like print cut yeah like, I, yeah somehow book. i think yeah. not yeah so that was cute and then Wait, it's fodor is that a translation book company? No, we're, you know, the it's like a travel, travel book books. company, right? Fodor? Fodors, yeah. Huh. F-O-D-O-R-S. You know what I'm talking about? No, I just, I like that it sounds like Hodor. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Did you say Fodor like Hodor? Well, Hodor's translation book is right. just, everything is translated <laughs> just to Hodor. Hodor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that's, anyway. I get the reference and I don't even watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said Lonely Planet or something. Rand McNally? No, I like <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then, but then, what happens is like the train passes, and then suddenly she's like in his lap and On kisses the, him. Yeah. So she jumps over she to jumped. the other side. Yeah. In the time that the train passed, and she's like makes out with him to make her boyfriend jealous. On the other side, and then he sees it, and then all of a sudden, I guess. I don't remember if something else happened, but then he jumps over to the other side, too. Yeah. He doesn't jump. They don't literally jump. They clearly go up a staircase and come back down. Yeah, and he just dumps a, bunch, dumps a bunch of trash on Buscemi, and then they leave. No, it was not trash. He had gone to, the, like, the Louvre or something, and he has all this stuff in his bag of stuff he bought. So he has, like, all these postcards of the mm-hmm. Mona Lisa and, right. like, 
like you know art books and stuff so he's dumping that over on his head it was so sad my my favorite part though was when he saw the like the little lesion wa- on the like, yeah, little under- wart on oh, her face yeah he's like <laughs> oh you just kissed me oh yeah because in his guidebook it said like be careful because of all the like american Americans. soldiers had brought what was it to it was some venereal diseases some sort of they got it from disease. them yeah yeah, yeah. and so but, yeah she had one little wart just like the guy's face with all the warts on it and just that reminds me of being a child and like traveling because I, I was kind of germphobic as a child. Uh-huh. And just I just like, see that? Being <laughs> terrified. Oh. <laughs> I just thought it was like so funny though and so French because of the way they had this big drama with a couple and then like he's Super all pissed French. at him and then afterwards like she's all happy because she made her boyfriend jealous and they're like making out and back I all over I each am, other. And I imagine like, that's like that's what like French foreplay is. I think like, so, yeah. Playing, that's why I was playing so mind, funny. Playing mind games with other people. <laughs> totally. 100%. It was so funny. So funny. I know. I in, just, in the end it just clearly was sort of like foreplay <laughs> yeah, for whatever right. they're going to do next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And I like how he's uh, just so like I guess confused the whole time because yeah. like, and I like that whatever version we watched had the Italian yeah, translation we just watched at the, the bottom YouTube version that had Italian subtitles. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th- it's I don't not think, supposed to have English subtitles. I don't think right? the original movie is supposed to have any subtitles. I don't it's think so because you kind of pick it up. Steve Buscemi is listening to all this French dialogue, and we're not supposed to understand what the hell is happening. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, think I can't so too. remember because I saw it back in I think high school probably is when it came out. But yeah, it was effective without knowing what they were saying. Like yes. I'm actually yeah. happy. Mm-hmm. This is the first time ever I'm happy that. I don't speak French because it would have ruined it for me. I would have known right. everything the guy was saying, but this way you feel Buscemi's like confusion of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> what are you even yelling at me? And yeah, Buscemi, Buscemi doesn't say a single lie. He just has mm-hmm. yeah, all these indignities right. yeah. kind of heaped upon him. It's, <laughs> yeah. He's a very Coen Brothers character, actually. Yeah, totally. I love the eye contact moment. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so great. <laughs> it's so okay, so that is one of the two short films they directed. <laughs> the other one is a shorter one from a collection called Shakun de Cinema. Mm-hmm. All I think it was like something like twenty different directors were each given the assignment. You have three minutes to make a film uh, about your take on the state of world cinema. Wow! And, <laughs> and that was what they decided. That was wow. the, what the Coen Brothers came up with. Was it's, it's Josh Brolin in a cowboy hat? Looks mm-hmm. a whole lot like Llewellyn Moss, although Love I don't think Llewellyn. he's actually playing Llewellyn Moss. No. Um, he walks into a movie theater, the Arrow Movie Theater, which I totally recognize. It's mm-hmm. an actual like LA indie movie theater. Mm-hmm. Talks to it's showing two movies. One is uh, I think the Rules of the Game, John mm-hmm. Renoir. Mm-hmm. The other is some Turkish film called Climates. And he's talking to the clerk, the ticket clerk, who's played by my celebrity doppelganger, who get Grant Hessler. Okay, I wasn't going to say anything, but you guys do look alike. I didn't, I didn't, you didn't think about that. that. No, oh my gosh, it. it was my first But now thought. I see it. That's so funny. No you one were, picked that. You were, far, you were far from the first person to make that comparison. Oh, that's, that, that is your guy, though. That's so yeah. funny. What, what is his name again? Grant Heslov. Mm-hmm. He's You've uh, said it before. He's, so, been yeah. a, he's been an actor in a bunch of movies. These days, he's best known for being like George Clooney's producing partner in most of the movies George right. Clooney makes. Hmm. Yeah, Josh Brolin just is like, you know, he's some hick and he hasn't heard of any of these movies. And he's just like, yeah, what's this climate's about? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually the ticket, the clerk talks him into seeing one of the movies, even though it has subtitles. And he's like, yeah, I got to read along with it. Um, and then he walks out and he's like, yeah, you know what? Then the, then the original ticket clerk is gone. But he's like, yeah, you know what? Tell that ticket clerk, I really like that climate. 
Yeah, but he was, he had first asked him, when Mm -hmm. do you get off of work? And then it was like, oh, never mind. So there was like a little connection. There was, there was a little like, maybe it was even a flirtatious moment. I think so. They definitely had a a flirty (laughs) vibe. So there was that interesting bit of subtext going on. Uh, Yeah, uh, two strangers using, using cinema to connect with each other or not. When did that piece come out? That was... I want to, I mean, mid-2000s, I want to say. I can't say the exact year. But probably about around the same time as No Country for Old Men, I'd say. Okay. Oh, really? Maybe maybe around the same time as uh, Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> uh, I guess it, <laughs> I guess it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess both of these short films are kind of lightweight. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's fun to see the Coen's operating in more like a sketch mode. You know, yeah. where they yeah, don't feel yeah. like they had to make a big statement. It's just mm-hmm. like, let's take one of our, you know, from a guy from our company of actors and just make a fun little thing with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's so funny. The, the Berlin was a lot lighter than I thought it would fun. be, too. Yeah. Because when it was, like, happening, I was like, just, like, putting this, like, cowboy character into that scenario seemed like it was, like, waiting for a conflict to happen. So I was mm-hmm. actually a little surprised when there wasn't any kind of conflict. It was just like, oh, it was good. Yeah. Tell mm-hmm. him I liked it. I was right. like, what? <laughs> Look, it's, it's, just, okay. it's just residual tension left over from him being in No Country for Old Men costume. You think Chagall's yeah. going to step around the corner any, no, any moment? No, not exactly. That's, that's funny and true, but no, like, it, it was just that it's like typically like a cowboy who's like going to be seeing either a French film or a Turkish film is mm-hmm. not going to be so like light about it almost i don't know right. like you wouldn't imagine that you would kind of be like what's this or that right. i don't know about this, what's this I didn't stuff? Really, like, like he storms out of the movie halfway through what's this bullshit yeah, yeah something that didn't something like i would expect that as a character but you know what they have respect for texans and i like that about they do him. they're very into <laughs> <Yeah>. texans <laughs> they sure are oh and and we also oh yeah we also watched a, a like a commercial okay they yeah that was weird for uh it was, was like a fake ad for clean coal it was yeah, like a spray. Right. It was right. like a what organization was it? Yeah, for, for like I think reality.org oh. maybe something like that. I think yeah. Okay, right. which is you like know, a sustainability cause. Yeah, it's so. it's the point of the commercial was yeah. uh, they market this thing called clean coal, but it's not mm-hmm. really very clean at all. <laughs> right. Spraying coal everywhere. I, I think it was it was clear. Yeah, Cohen's occasionally just direct commercials if it's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, occasionally the Cohens step out of making filmed uh, content entirely. In fact, Ethan Cohen, who's who's always been kind of the writer of the bunch, it's unspoken, I think, that, you know, while all their movies are officially credited to Joel and Ethan Cohen, Joel's basically the director and Ethan's basically the writer. I didn't and really I think, know that. I didn't know that. Maybe I you think, said that and I forgot. I think, I think they both work on the screenplay and they both work on directing the movie, but mm-hmm. I think Ethan is more the writer. Mm. Joel is more the director. Mm-hmm. That would be like me and Mara mm-hmm. if we were a team. Mara would be the writer. Sorry. And you'd, be, you'd be the director? <laughs> I'd be the director, yeah. Because you got, you got the eye. Yeah, but I think like she's like a really good writer, so even if I was a writing team, that's just my vibe. Anyway. I would hope she's getting her PhD at Harvard and yeah. <laughs> Okay, you know, I can write too, okay, I write yeah. for no, a living. I'm just saying, I would hope Okay, she... I win briefs, okay. Um, dare you, Frank. I'm not dissing you. <laughs> and, in, and again, I'm, I'm, sure, just... I'm sure Joel can write, I'm sure Ethan can direct. I think they do basically work as a team. Yeah. But I think that's probably, I think that's basically their skill set. And a lot, and... They've never they've never explicitly said that, but part of the, part of the reason I believe that is because only Ethan has actually done any sort of writing outside of their films. Oh, is mm-hmm. it his poems too? Yeah. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was yeah. Joel's co- Joel's. Uh, no, poems, he's uh, he's actually done a lot of writing. Uh, I don't even. I bought the book here too, although I don't have it here. But he wrote a book of short stories. Oh, oh. I want to read that. Yeah, um, that does I smell book, another episode. And a book of poetry, mm-hmm. which is uh, which that poem that I started out the episode with is one of those poems, and we may get to a few more before the episode is over. 
But uh, probably the best known thing he wrote was a series of three one-act plays, which was performed, I want to say it was on Broadway. Uh, Are they all one-act, so. though? They're not all one-act. Yeah, three one-act plays. Do you think the last mm-hmm. one was one-act? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I guess I mean, just cut a lot, so I didn't think of it. Yeah, I mean, they have, the same they, actor, have, right? they, they have blackouts and change scenes yeah. sometimes, but it, I think it's meant same to be a one-act act. play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I stand corrected. Um... <laughs> Three loosely con- loosely connected, though not really. Maybe thematically connected a little bit, but basically just three one act plays called Almost an Evening. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the uh, there's a little note before the plays. Can you just read that exactly, Franco? Yeah, mm, go sure. Ahead. Upon these one acts first performance, I heard a partying theater goer complain it had been quote not even almost an evening. I considered making that the title of the published scripts. But on reflection, it seemed wrong. Wrong, first, to give the published plays a title different from that under which they had been performed. Wrong, second, to push self-deprecation so far it sounds like self-censure. I take some pride in my work, and together these plays do make up almost an evening. I don't care what anyone says. I love them. <laughs> um, but are they all performed together? Is that what uh, they it were? Is? They were. They were all yeah. performed together. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be really short. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're going. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to theater for something that's yeah, very, very short. Well, yeah. I mean, that could be done too. People go to sketches. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I just didn't know. That's oh, true. that's true. You mean like if it were part of a larger sketch show? Maybe right. like with other writers, right? Like part of like works. an anthology, the same way the short films were part right. of anthologies. But right. no, I right. think I think these were always meant to be performed together. Mm-hmm. Got it. So these plays got a couple of reviews, uh, and they were mostly positive. Although all of them noted that these plays were mostly fairly minor, pretty short, not like uh, not like a hugely ambitious undertaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why do like, they have to be? Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not. E- I'm not. Not even saying that critically. No, Just, I'm saying yeah. the critics are saying it critically. Maybe here's here's a I'm quote from the, here's a quote from the critic of the New York Times, Ben Brantley, who said, "Tasty bite-sized comedies, nimbly directed by Neil Pepe, theatergoers nostalgic for the urbane, mind-teasing divertisements that once flourished off Broadway should leave happily hungry a dream team." Ooh, that's a nice review. So yeah, good reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other critical reviews kind of followed, basically saying, these are well-written, they're funny, they're just, uh, yeah, they're a little short, they're like a good appetizer, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of agree with that. But though they're a lot of fun to read, even yeah. if, uh, I kind of agree that the structure, I think the structure of the first one especially, reads almost like an extended joke. Yeah. yeah. But that's not, I, but that's not bad. <laughs> that's, I think that's why the first one was my least favorite, uh, is oh. because, well, I... I feel like it could have been done, like, depending on how the actors do it, maybe it it would look or would sound pretty funny, like, in the theater. But just reading it, I was like, well, if you took this the wrong way, it just wouldn't be particularly funny. Hmm. And, like, you knew the punchline the whole time. I was I I was writing in my notes uh, I mean, that it was like this. Sa- he's technically in purgatory, but this sure seems like it's hell. Well, and then yeah. it, and then at the end of the movie, they reveal that it's or at the end of the act, they reveal that it's hell. So, so I'm right. more gullible because I actually was pleasantly tickled when it happened. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it was but that's just... I'm not negatively oriented, and I think you guys are pessimists, so that's why you were thinking or... the whole time. <laughs> Boom! I just defended myself How being dare optimistic. You, um, or we've read No Exit, and this was basically the same. <laughs> Thing okay, condensed. fine. I haven't, so I'm illiterate and I don't <laughs> no, know anything. I, actually, I I don't think I've read all of No Exit. I, I, in high school, I think I picked it up and was like, eh. So if you don't know what um, we're talking about, because this isn't the kind of 
we should explain what these are a little bit because unlike most of the things we're talking about, you can't just watch it on Netflix before before listening to us. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, oh, right. we just have to spoil right. it for so you. So we ha- we we kind of have to spoil we it. Just... Basically, the concept of waiting. Uh, the first act is called waiting, and it's a guy who's in a waiting room. He eventually finds out that he's dead, and he's waiting in what's uh, essentially a kind of purgatory that's supposed to eventually get him to heaven. But the, the secretary who's there tells him, yeah, you just had to wait here about 778 years. And there's like three magazines there. And then she doesn't talk to him for the rest of the 778 years. I love that one of the magazines was Highlights for Children. Hi- highlights yeah. for Children. That was so good. <laughs> and a, U- a, and a U.S. News and World Report from yeah. April. I was like, yep, this sure sounds like one of those offices that you would yeah. hate to be stuck in. That was a great detail. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't have a cell phone either. <laughs> it's a... Uh, what I loved immediately about this is like he's playing, he's staring at the fourth wall. They're playing around with breaking the fourth wall. Every one of these things feels like something that he couldn't do as a movie. They all feel hmm. very theatrical in a good way. Like he's trying, he's trying to take advantage of the form and do things right. that he couldn't do in his mm-hmm. normal line of work. And this, and this worked as part of that. Um, what he, at, eventually he waits the 700 something years and then he's told that, no, sorry, it wasn't 700 years, it was 7,000 years. It's eight. It's 800-something and 8,000-something. I'm pretty sure it was 700-something. <laughs> we have the book. Oh, if you get a nitpick me on these oh, tiny Josh. irrelevant details. I, I read it like three weeks ago, so I have no <laughs> idea what the numbers were. But It's okay, Josh. Yeah. Keep going. I'll follow um, the numbers. Don't worry. <laughs> and it's weird. There's even... for. It's, it was an inter- very interesting experience reading this. I think very different than it would be actually watching it live. Mm-hmm. Um, there's moments where they don't define any dialogue whatsoever and just say, uh, here the main character keeps up a stream of banter as we like th- we move some things around in the background. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting because usually the Coens are pretty improv-averse. Um, yeah. just, they're actually making room for a little bit of improvisation in this material. Oh, I think, I mean, that's somewhat typical in... In plays, I think no. I, I think just, it's typical in plays too. I think it's just atypical for him as a mm, writer. Fair. Mm. Um, Do you want to hear the numbers? Yes, I want to hear the numbers. Eight hundred and twenty-two. Are you sure? Yeah, and then there's a part, and I knew that because I'm really good at remembering numbers for some <sighs> reason. But the thing is, after seven hundred and fifty years, they put a door in. So maybe you thought that's that, what I was okay. That's what. But I was it go, it jumps to eight thousand and twenty-two <laughs> years, and I know that it's twenty-eight thousand <laughs> after that, but I can't find it yet. So it's all eights. You know what's funny? I also have... Yeah, 28,022 years. I also have a pretty good memory for numbers if they're not important to my life. Like, like this. Le- this yeah. I it. Like, I remember in high school, I could remember my friends' locker combinations, but never my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember any locker combinations. I actually... I. Uh, a couple of years of high school, I put all of my books in the locker and left it there and then realized I couldn't remember the combination, so I just left it there for the remainder of the school year. <laughs> you couldn't just... Never bother okay. to <laughs> I'll just let that go. You, sh- you probably should. It's not worth diving into. Uh, I still remember uh, my middle school locker number, though. It was oh. 467. Mm, good <laughs> Los Altos Middle School in Camarillo. <laughs> So I guess the to, long story short, by the end of this, he's uh, because he's uh, because of various levels of bureaucracy, he's now waited over a hundred thousand years mm-hmm. and thinks he's finally ready to uh, go to heaven. And then he's finally and then 
one of the various bureaucrats he has to deal with says, oh, yeah, I forgot. Our old policy is we used to, like, lie to people, but now we're just telling them the truth. that This is actually hell. So you're going to be here forever. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of funny the way it was handled. It was. Yeah, but it was. It, it, yeah. It, it, it really did. It had the structure of a good joke. It was building and building and building and getting more and more absurd, and then eventually there's a punchline. And then I, it ends. I guess when I was reading it, I just kept thinking about how many pauses there would have actually been in it and mm-hmm. how long the the act would have been. Yeah. And I just feel like it, unless they cut it shorter than I think they did, it would have been too long. I would have been like, really? No, well, it's a purposeful I amount sat, of waiting. Like you, I, have to, you have to get in their headspace and just be like sitting there for a long period of time. Sure. Feeling pain. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like this act... <laughs> Which is, I don't know, how many pages is it? Not very many. Like no, 30 something. Pretty short. Oh, even, is it even that long? Yeah. Um, but, you know, probably know. took. Seems like it would be like half an hour. Yeah. And I. Yeah, it was 31 pages. I don't know if it was gratifying enough to spend half an hour on it. That's all. I really. I, I thought it was because it. it's so stupid. Right. And yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And I think that's part. It's almost like I mean, it was so stupid, so that it justified dumb, it. Yeah. so dumb, bro. But I think that it's longer for no reason, maybe. But also, he's in purgatory hell, so yeah. it makes sense. So yes. I think it like kind of like the feeling that you get from it. It's like a little drop. It sort of emulates what he must right. have been feeling for a hundred thousand. You're like, years. okay, I'm like, if, if I'm that all this right. for nothing, right. so I think that's just if sort I'm of the that feeling. if I'm that bored watching this. Imagine what this guy is like dealing with this for a hundred. Right, that's years. why I actually yeah. like that because I'm like thirty <laughs> pages on this. I accept. Like, yeah. I think I thought it was funny for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the point of the play was, or even if there was a point of the play. I thought it was a joke. Hell quote. sucks. Hell sucks. <laughs> that's a pretty a pretty deep point, I guess. Yeah, but it was. <laughs> It was funny. I did think it was funny. So that takes it a long way. I thought way. it was funny too. Yeah. So two, okay, out, two out of three on that one. No, I, I didn't <laughs> say it wasn't funny. <laughs> um, let's talk about the second play, which was actually my least favorite. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, four Benches. And that's called, it's so called because it takes place on four different benches in various settings. It starts at a sauna, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. like a there's like a, a Texan guy who's in the sauna. Mm, Brit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a British guy. And there's something obviously covert going on, some right. sort of the British espionage guy, yes. thing. British guy the British is some sort some sort of MI6 mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Waiting for uh waiting for his contact and he's kinda of just striking up a conversation with this Texan guy who's just in there to enjoy the sauna. But the British guy is kind of having a hard time connecting, and that becomes important later because eventually the whole mission goes wrong. The Texan guy gets killed, um, and then he's talking to his boss later. Uh, he feels like this guy got killed unnecessarily, and he feels a lot mm-hmm. of guilt about it, and mm-hmm. he feels like he wants to get out of this entire business. Yeah, you know, it was. I did think it was playful. I thought it did a good job of. I wrote the note that I felt like it did a good job, kind of feeding off the energy of the audience and building up a sense of tension, which was good. And another funny death, and the Coen brothers are great at funny deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, eventually, the British guy <laughs> does quit, and he tries to go to a sauna and connect with some other guy, and they just ignore another him. Texan, and mm-hmm. another Texan guy, but they ignore him, and he just kind of sighs, and then it ends. <laughs> I like the contrast between the Brit and the Texan, which they did in a. <laughs> 
when they rewrote Gambit. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what was they, in my mind too. It's it's almost felt like a dry run for their exploration of kind of Americans versus yeah. Brits. And I like how they articulated it too at the end of that, where he the British guy is like he wishes he could be like the Texan who expresses himself and y'all are so real or whatever like he doesn't right. say y'all he wishes he did but right you know well he's and, well he's very kind of uptight and self-contained yeah so i liked that because i think that's part of the reason that i like texans too so i like that it was artic- articulated in there because i love texas i do yeah. Tex- texas is the best it is people from texas are all like really nice and friendly and, and open-hearted i do love that he brought his giant like 10 gallon hat into the sauna and is just wearing that <laughs> That was that was a great description. That was a great description. Is ten gallon right? Not five gallon. Come on, I mean, Jackie, the expert. That on I don't know. Hats. The traditional iron Texas. The traditional cowboy hats called a ten gallon hat. Te- okay, it is but, ten gallon. Yeah, yeah. But I think, well, if I, you tur- I think if you turned it upside down and poured water into it, I don't think it's ten. I, gallons. I don't think it would even hold five gallons. But no. yeah, no, I don't <laughs> even think it would hold a gallon. Like thinking about what Maybe, a gallon of milk looks like. I, I yeah. think it might. I mean, if you had a hat, they could hold a gallon. My head is not the size of a no. gallon of milk. No, but I'm trying to envision a gallon Maybe of milk next year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm a no, I just see like a, a gallon floating <laughs> on a <laughs> <Yeah>. body. Like, <laughs> yeah, you like know, in those. Oh, yeah, in like cartoons when they show like people who are starving and they yeah, just the imagine there's like chicken legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I imagine you use like a milk head. I mean, that's basically how I go through life because I'm vegan and I miss milk. <laughs> oh. Oh. but yeah if you were I mean, <laughs> an actual hat that could hold 10 gallons that would be ridiculous yeah mm-hmm. in any case i yeah i guess this one was my least favorite because it felt like it had i guess structurally it felt like the least um the least well organized the yeah. uh the first one had that very very you know that very joke-like structure that built to a satisfying conclusion the last one, uh, which we'll get into in a second, gets goes into some meta directions that ends up actually being pretty funny. Um, this mm-hmm. one, yeah, this one wasn't funny. quite as playful as either of the other two. Yeah, and it, it did yeah. feel like it. But on the other hand, it felt like it had some good emotional beats and playing of death, and it had a, it had a good main character. For the first page or two, I was kind of, since the first one had been so like no exit, I was like, is this going to be waiting for Godot? Like, it just <laughs> seemed like, since he was waiting for Potts. Right. But, I mean, it wasn't at all, but um, I don't know. I guess I expected it to be. Mm. Okay. Maybe we should maybe to give people a sense we should try reading a passage from it. It would be fun from, to try reading it. Yeah, from yeah, four benches. Sure, sure. Let's do it. Let me see if I could find a good passage. Maybe even if we just read a little bit of uh, the first part. Okay. Just to give you guys a little bit of sense of the Cohen's pros on the page, we should do this. I'm going to ruin everything because I'm setting up the computer now. Yes. <laughs> Don't touch anything. Oh, no. My hand's just jammed on right. the keyboard. Here, read this uh, narration up top. Fine. <clears throat> In black until noted, we hear a swinging door being pushed open and on release, flapping back and forth. Padding footsteps end in the creaking of wood as someone sits. The saloon-style door continues to flap in diminishing intervals until at length it shudders into silence. Well? Huh? Well? What? Well, any luck? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not sure I'm... Huh? Uh, pots? Pots? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I, I thought... Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, friend, I ain't... Sorry, uh, terribly sorry, <laughs> can't see a thing. Yeah. I can't see my hand in front of my face. Yeah, plenty dark. Mm, dark indeed. Yeah. What happened? 
When? The lights. Why aren't they? Uh... Oh, uh, power. Oh, but but the lights are on. I'm I beg your pardon. Outside, the lights outside. Are on. Heck yeah. Hmm. A mystery then. You tried the switch. Switch. Light switch. Is there one? Oh, shoot, I'm. Um, uh, I assume. Lights on. Plank walls and floor. A long wooden bench. Steam. Sitting on the bench is a man in a conservative suit. Shirt buttoned to the neck. Severely knotted tie. Bowler hat. Propped next to him are a furled umbrella and a briefcase. The other man, paunchy and middle-aged, stands with his hand at the light switch. Except for a large white cowboy hat, he's naked. After a beat just long enough for the tableau to register, the clothed man sucks in his breath and shrieks. <laughs> uh, 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 Turn it off! Jeez, I'll... Uh, off now! The lights go off again in darkness. Thank you. Well, sure, I'll... Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, I'm sorry. It must seem odd. Oh, uh, I understand. You're English. Pardon? See, round here, we'll mostly steam naked. Um... Local norm. To be sure. Uh, but I'm not here for the sauna, actually. Uh, I'd arranged a meeting, and because it was meant to be private, it just... It, it just... It just... It wouldn't do your seeing my face. You shouldn't even be here, whoever you are. You didn't, did you? Huh? See my face. Oh, no, no, no. Awkward if you had. You're not involved. Best it keep it that way. Secret identities, so on. We love our little secrets. Oh, sure, sure, I get it. Hmm. It's like a spy thing. What is? Whatever. Hmm. Yeah, some, something like that. So, so, so should I leave? Leave? Yeah, you want me out of your hair? No, better stay at this point, I should think. Leaving now, you might see the other gentleman on his way in. See his... his face. Oh. Awkward uh, for the other gentleman. Pots? Pots. So you want me to just uh, wait here? If it's not terribly inconvenient. No. Hell no. Came in for a steam? I'll have a steam. Awesome. Well, okay, you guys so, are doing a very lovely reading. I yeah. Must say. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> nice British accent. I mean, I, I know I really embodied the uh, middle-aged Ponchi man. <laughs> hey, we were both middle-aged and Ponchi on that one. So, so yeah. So you get a kind of a sense of their, the way they wrote this kind of uh, this disconnect between these characters, and the way one is kind of awkward relating to the other one. The text may be a little bit more at home in this environment. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's just some good, good going back and forth. Although, yeah. You know, seeing it on Broadway might be a slightly different experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, overall, how did you guys like Four Benches? I mean, it didn't resonate with me. I don't know. I liked it. But I wasn't, you know, overwhelmed by mm-hmm. loving it. I would not say I was overwhelmed. I don't know if I was overwhelmed by loving any of these three. Although no, I, neither I, was I. Yeah. But I didn't react as much. Like, I kind of laughed at the first one, and I definitely laughed at the third one. But the second one, I was kind of like, okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they, 
they definitely ended with the best one or mm-hmm. he ended rather with the best one I, I would agree with that yeah do we all agree that debate is the best one yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> well let's start talking a little bit about debate and we may we may even want to read a little bit of debate too in particular, in particular we there's should. there's two long speeches that are that are really pretty impressive um so it starts out with a debate between two figures and one of them is called the god who judges and one of them is called the god who loves mm-hmm. um <laughs> the god who judges this is mostly a no-name cast when they initially performed it on broadway but the god who judges was uh, was performed by f murray abraham mm-hmm. who was a uh, from amadeus he was salieri mm-hmm. he also played the guy who didn't see any money here and in inside lewin davis oh yeah yeah a uh, great, 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 great character actor, and I could see him performing the hell out of this monologue. Yeah, although I, he doesn't fit the physical description, I don't think, that they give at the beginning, but he would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously, he's not like, doesn't have like the beard and robes and everything. Well, <laughs> no, but they, they specifically <laughs> describe him as being um, like, ver- like big, Masculine. like broad, short, like very. The man standing there is rangy and weathered with long white hair and beard, though older, he is manly and vigorous. I guess oh. I guess okay. Mary Abraham's Maybe. not okay. quite vigorous. Vigorous but is like my favorite word describing a person. It's so like it's kind of dirty, but like it's it is not, very evocative, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. It implies something about vigorous. his bedroom. Like it a, implies something about his bedroom skills. Right. If you call it, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You could analogize because he's a vigorous person. In life. <laughs> okay, so Jackie, I think one of us should be God who judges. One should be God who loves. I'm gonna be God who judges. Do it. Mm-hmm. All right, start reading it. Okay. So this is how the play debate starts out. Yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What do we call it? What do we call it? What do we call it? Anyone? What do we call it? (laughs) What do we call it? We call it the Ten Commandments, okay? Not the Ten Fucking Suggestions. They are a fucking moral imperative, you miserable sacks of shit. Now I want to see this shit observed. Okay. And this is imperative. Let me just clarify here, because I know there's been confusion. This is for everybody. This is not just for the Jews. This is universal shit here. You don't go, you know, Cayman Islands, wherever, you know, when in Rome, oh, I'll just covet the Roman neighbor's wife. Her pussy doesn't count. Bullshit. That is relativistic horseshit. That is the Roman neighbor's wife's pussy fallacy, and I call bullshit on that. I don't give a rat's ass where. Polynesia, they're topless. Oh, it's nature. They don't perceive it as sin. Whatever. Different cultures. The Eskimos have 47 words for snow. I don't give a shit. It applies to them, too. The shit applies. And this is not just some guy up here talking through his asshole. I hope you numbskulls have not forgotten who decides this shit. You don't decide this deep moral shit or when and where it applies. Are you kidding me with your puny fucking brains? You know the state capitals and you're going to decide this moral shit? No, no. (laughs) I decide and I and I fucking am that am. So don't talk to me about the fucking Roman neighbor's wife, dipshits. Okay, then there's the whining. I want less of the whining. I don't know why this pissing and moaning has gotten so bad lately. I mean, we've always had some candy butts, but now it's everybody. And it's worse in the cities here. You people going to shows, this is the kind of people where it's worst. So if the shoe fits, you know, my parents were withholding. You weren't there for me. Daddy used to curse at me, all this crap. And it's not just you ruined my life shit. 
Little things. Parking. Jesus, fuck. Parking. Oh, it took us so long to park. You know, you sons of bitches used to walk or ride asses. And you're going to drive a fucking Lexus here and bitch about having to spend 10 minutes parking? Are you fucking shitting me? Okay. Next time, try riding an ass to the show. See how comfortable that is. See if you want to bitch about finding a spot then, you bunch of fucking crybabies. Jesus fuck, maybe you'd like me to follow you through your whole cushy ass life with a parking spot, kick it along after you like your suitcase online at the airport, so you never have to drive around turning your head to the left and right. And maybe you want grapes dropped into your mouth too, pitless, and the girls with the feather fans, and maybe a little piece of velvet, maybe this big you want it grazed back and forth across your buttocks very gently at all times to make you feel just exactly perfect. Is that fucking sufficient? You got nothing else to whine about now? Have I taken care of all your desires to your absolute total fucking satisfaction, you fetching little shits? Okay. And then there's the weird shit. I don't even know what to call it, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. So I want you to fucking cut it out. Like the body piercing. What in the name of God's fuck is that? Made in my image, right? And you're gonna what? Put metal rings through it? This by you is an improvement? And through the lips and the nipples now? I mean the ears, pierced ears. I didn't like it, but I held my tongue. But this, and now through the penis? Some of you people, and the vulvas? What next? Hitting yourselves in the head with fish bats? You say, well, body piercing, it isn't forbidden. Well, some shit I never told you because who's gonna do this? Are you fucking nuts? I gotta tell you not to stick metal rings in your vulvas? What, for your car keys? You don't have pockets? This weird shit, I'm sorry, I'm lost. So let's just knock it off. So there's that. But sin, before I turn the floor over, I gotta repeat, lest I leave the wrong impression, serious sin, this is still my main beef with you people, false god, neighbor's wife, etc. The other stuff, body piercing, huffing gasoline, betting on chicken fights, what are you doing? But that is nothing compared to this sin shit that you fuckheads persist in pulling each and every goddamn day of the year. Yeah, some of you Shabbos even. Maybe I understand it more than the weird shit, yeah, but that is not permission. I will kick your fucking ass. Count on it. Wow. Um, sorry, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's how the play starts, and then he sits down, and then another guy stands up, and this is just a guy in a suit. The other guy was like a guy in white robes with a beard. Here's a the guy in a suit. Man. Yes, a vigorous man. This guy is not necessarily a vigorous <laughs> man. He's just a man. Well, that, that's a, it's a hard act to follow. He makes his points vividly and with a great deal of salt. And I respect that. And there is much to respect in what he says. But let me put it all in a different context, if I may. You are good people. You want to know how to live. You're not experts in that. Some of you are doctors, lawyers, academics, whatever. You have a certain area of expertise. But here in the big questions... You do not have expertise. You have good common sense, but no expertise. And you feel like you could use guidance. These injunctions, the ones you've just heard, do they help you? The threats, do they help you? Well, maybe some of you, yes, that's what you need, simple directions. That's all you're after, and the rest, as they say, is just commentary. But some of you, most of you, I think, attending a high-class show such as this, need something else, something more. The reason you come to the theater, to shows like this one, 
shows the tackle of the big ideas is that you are not cretins. You don't need to be shouted at. You're interested in ideas. And even when you don't know the answers, you still want to take intellectual responsibility for yourselves and moral responsibility because you're grown-ups, not children to be lectured to or yelled at. And when you need help, and sometimes we all need help, well, you turn to something higher. You reach out, and this is beautiful. The quest itself is beautiful, because you know it ties us all to each other, each to each. It makes you part of the community that seeks, not after money, not after status, not that those things are evil, but they aren't the highest things, and you, most of you, recognize that. And in recognizing that, and in reaching out for a loving guide, you come closer to each other, because you reach for the same thing. Does that make sense? I say again, the reaching out that is beautiful. You may not fully grasp. You may sometimes grasp wrongly, and sometimes there aren't even any final answers. But the being to whom you reach loves you for reaching, because you reach out. We all know it's hard to love someone who's closed off, who's withdrawn, but someone who reaches out, the very act attracts love. So the desire for love is self-fulfilling. If you want it, it shall be there. Does that make sense? You only have to reach. See, I'm not here to scold. I'm not here to lecture. I am here to love. I have been summoned by those of you who love. The others, you may not understand me. In some sense, you might not even hear me. That's okay. You didn't come from me. You came maybe to listen to that gentleman, maybe understand him. And I repeat, that's okay. He isn't wrong. In his way, he too is beautiful. He's okay, that guy. And before I turn the floor over, I just want to amplify that last thought. I know this event was built as a debate, but I don't see it that way. I turn the floor over for rebuttal, but in fact, I don't disagree with the gentleman. I don't expect you to choose between us. I don't want to be right. I don't want to show he's wrong. I want to reach you. And if he reaches you instead, okay, that's fine. In a sense, this isn't even about us. It's about you. And that you are interested enough in these matters to show up, to be here together, to listen, to reach. That's really what this is about. And that is beautiful. Bless you all. <laughs> so so that's how that play starts out and then it devolves and then <laughs> and then we can't we can't read the whole thing although i kind of want to but the god who judges comes back and says basically everything god who loves just said is a giant crock of shit mm-hmm. that is and they have an argument then they have an argument and then uh the god, god who judges, judges literally like kicks him in the ass and yeah. starts beating him up <laughs> and then uh god who loves cries runs off stage then comes back with a gun and shoots God who judges, kills him, then kills himself. Mm-hmm. And then the play ends. Except that's only, it turns out it's only a play within a play. Yeah. Because then the rest of the act and that we read follows like the, uh, some of the people who watch the play as they're debating it and whether it was a very good play or not. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see some of the actors mm-hmm. and they're talking to like their girlfriends about uh, the quality of the play and the qu- girlfriend saying, I didn't think that was a very good play at all. I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of simplistic. Inane. She said inane. Inane. inane yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, no, the, the part where God kicks God in the ass, you're saying, that's not funny, that kills, that always kills. And so, and, uh, it basically... And the end, <laughs> yeah. oh gosh, the end's pretty good. Oh yeah, wait, yeah, wait, what's the, what, how does it exactly the, end? The mater D then kicks 
the uh, <laughs> God who judges in the ass. Oh, yeah. So like it's just yeah, yeah it kicks it's the a bookend of what happened at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, more literal kicking of the ass. It was, <laughs> I liked the little vignettes of like the uh, the characters or the young woman, the young man couple who would watch yeah. it, and I loved like her little comments too, and like asking mm-hmm. about, like Eileen, like I don't know, is, <laughs> right? Like, and, I know. and he spends this the rest of it being like, what? What sexual stuff? There wasn't any sexual stuff. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? There was one night we were one drunk. night we were drunk. <laughs> yeah. There was that, there actually was some some really good banter there. Um, yeah. Lots of like a. You know, guys mansplaining and women being passive aggressive. Did you say just, mansplaining? I did say yeah. mansplaining. That's yeah. a term? Yeah. You've never heard that term? Mansplaining. No. It's when a guy explains something to a woman in a rather condescending way. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Very it's like, funny. Jackie, you know, I know you don't know much about the theater, but right. I know everything about the theater, so let me yeah. tell you oh, about God, it. So it was established right. back in ancient Greek right. times. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so that stuff was actually really well written. I, those uh, those speeches are, are really funny. Yeah. I can, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they were very real though. Like that's yeah. what I liked about it was that like even reading that character is so fun because I was like, oh, I can understand what kind of character this is. Like this is a type of person who thinks yeah. this way, and I I was laughing out loud when I was reading it because I was just like, this is so silly. Cause this is a type of person. And then exactly, the, it's, it's funny to think of God as a type of person. Yeah, yeah. But, but then like even the banter between the characters back and forth. I will say it was very realistic. So this is a part where I could have very easily used my unrealistic soundbite, but I thought it was right. realistic. I really liked it. But no, that. you can, it's funny. To, basically, you can think of the judgmental God as essentially just an uptight guy who always needs to have things like exactly his way. Yeah. And it's funny that it's kind of making talks. that mapping. Although, the, I don't know, the beginning of what the God Who Loves said didn't seem like a caricature that much. Like, it, se- it didn't when I first started reading it, I was like, oh, I guess he's not making fun of this view as much. And then it seemed like he was. No, I think there's definitely but, fun. I think I yeah. think there's for sure criticism of the God who loves Engel too. Oh, sure, there is. You, If this guy wants to have it both ways and you can't have it both ways, there is actually just good and evil and right and wrong. Right, but I don't know. I liked what he said about the reaching out that is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm just a hippie, but like, I, I don't know. In philosophy, like, I think that's why you should study philosophy is the, like, the asking questions, mm-hmm. not getting answers. Yeah, yeah no, um, I think what he said that, actually made sense. Yeah, and yeah. then I was like, oh, yeah. but now he's being ridiculous. So yeah, uh, and they spend the second half of that act debating yes, debating but. literally whether that debate was good theater or not. Yeah. And I think it was. Um, I think it actually is a, a kind of a fun way to sum up these two viewpoints of, of how most people think of their religious deities and their spirituality yeah. and how they're basically two fundamentally incompatible visions. Because you can't really believe both of those things, I don't mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but that let's save that for our Josh figures it out. We'll save that for a philosophy episode. Yeah, oh, because that gives me some thoughts and some feels. (laughs) And because we're sadly like running out of time on this episode. Yeah, exactly. So we should have a quiz. We have we have a final segment, although it's not exactly a quiz. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second. First, I just want to say any final thoughts on any of this stuff we just talked about. Um, I would say short films worth watching. Play I, I thought was worth reading. The short, both short films are available on YouTube, so yeah, if you're curious, I'd say for, definitely the Steve Buscemi one is worth checking out. Tulare. Yeah. Just what? Well, well the, the movie itself is is like yeah. the whole thing is kind of worth watching. I haven't seen the other one. Have you seen all of? I have not. Ah, uh, wow. I haven't seen all of either of those. Me yeah. neither. So that's uh, I guess we could watch those for the podcast too. In theory, <laughs> that's true. There's so much for us to do. So we'll much. never finish this yeah, podcast. It's never gonna, it's never gonna end. The um, never-ending podcast. <laughs> <Yes! Yay! laughs> 
and yeah, the play is uh, it's a very you know it took me like an hour and a half to read. It's a very slim volume. There are short plays, and they're a lot of fun. They're worth checking out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, act them out with your friends. It's clearly more fun that way. Yeah, I enjoyed it much more on the podcast than reading it by myself. But also, because we were like rushing to read it, like yeah, finish reading it, and right. talk about it. Right. Um, yeah. No, they're uh, and they're fun beats, and they play with the with theater, and they're and it's Ethan Cohen exploring stuff that he can't do in his plays, and I think it's all really cool. Mm-hmm. So speaking of stuff he can't do in his plays, we also have this book of poetry, which is going to lead us into our final segment, which even though it's not a quiz, we're going to call Raising Eric Wizona. I just felt like I wanted to do something with this book of poems that I bought, a book of poems by Ethan Cohen, so I thought we should just have a little bit of a poetry reading session. Oh. Guys. It's not a quiz at all. It's not a quiz at all. <laughs> Basically, we're just going to dim the metaphorical lights we can't these lights in here don't actually have dimmers but we're just mm. going to pretend mm. the lights are a little bit dimmer okay and we're going to put on some smoky jazz music in the background and uh we'll put on our berets and we'll just take turns uh flipping through here and and finding some poems to read some of them are long but some of them are really short too okay so uh so we can do it in 10 minutes i think we can do this in 10 minutes <laughs> we can at least i think we can at least get one play, one poem each in there mm-hmm. let's do it This poem is called You, Cow. (laughs) You, look at me, head swiveling as I walk past, making sure I'm not anti-cow. You shit. Franco is anti-cow. At the opposite end you eat from, body strung between mouth and anus, it's easy to see what you're about. I am less straightforward, upright, with mouth near but not at the top, and anus somewhere around the middle. But not exactly. We are different. I don't think I could shit standing. Although maybe I could. I chew with less play in my jaw. I run less close to my buddies. I shit hidden and ashamed. I moo not. We are different. So different. Although not so different. Cow. Cow? This is what I ponder staring at you. And you stare at me. There we go. That was beautiful. Thank I you. just love cows. <laughs> 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 oh, thanks. Oh, All right, Skip let's me. see. Cows. <laughs> oh, there's one called sheep. Ooh. We go continuing the edible theme. All right, let's do it. Um, but, you, but yeah, you got you to really get into, get into right. character. No, really I know. It. I love the, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> the ambiance music. So let's lower my voice here and... Uh, So sheep, the gods flung them splat against the hill where they stuck and started grazing. The gods, a giggle, let fall back the curtain of sky. Stupid sheep, they tittered. (laughs) Even still, every so often, a god, mood impish, will yank back the sky to chuck another. Teehee. Stupid sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> There's like a whole section just, that's just naughty limericks in there, too. There's some really good naughty limericks. How about this one? It's called The Orgy Ended Late, My Dear. <laughs> the Orgy Ended Late, My Dear. And this is why I just got home. And why I lack the means, I fear, to do again what I just did. With Jean and Jacqueline and Joan, with Marv and Paula and their kid, 
My goodness, how Marv Jr. has grown. With their au pair, Gret from Madrid. Is it just me or is that wrong? I mean, who brings the help along? And then with some damn person schlong. Oh, <laughs> then with Liza on the phone. And then just a bit on my own. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm gonna find all these. Yeah, okay, here we got some limericks. When their pug began humping his leg, Uncle Vern shook his head at Aunt Pig. Can't deny that I've snuck her the odd little fuck, but we can't have her starting to beg. <laughs> A lot of these are really dirty. The, these poetry is surprisingly dirty. I I don't know how uh, I feel geez. about bestiality limericks. Uh, um, in fact, actually, I know how I feel yeah, about them, I mean, and it's negative. <laughs> negative. Negatory. During vigorous love, she would bray, Do it, big boy, or God, yes, that way. Right in there, right in here, or else, very nice, dear, when her husband was in for the day. Okay. Um, they they call oh. me sick, the necrophile said. It's my partners who lie around dead. I just like firm support during sex. Plus, that sort of girl stays on her side of the bed. Uh, wow. <laughs> you guys want to try one? Uh, I or, don't know if I want to try a dirty limerick. Um, let's see. Do I want... Uh, no. No. Wow, there are a lot of dirty limericks. There, there's a lot. Like, wasn't, I wasn't like, kidding. There's a lot of dirty limericks. Oh, Jesus. Huh. Poor Ethan. Um, that's a long one. Oh, here's a super short one. <clears throat> Let's see. Is it sycophant? Is that yeah. how you mm-hmm. pronounce it? That's how. I, okay. By the way, I loved how you pronounced Jacqueline Jacqueline when you Jacqueline, saw it. Yeah, I'm right. I did. <laughs> I yeah. Okay. Good. I've always pronounced it sycophant, and I wasn't sure. Okay. Self-assessment. <clears throat> In his heart, a young fighter expects no defeats. Every ham can play Hamlet. All poets are Keats, and all women are Garbo and men Cary Grant, being each of us all his own best sycophant. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Let's see, there's some. Jackie, you want to take us out? One last yeah. one? All right. <laughs> Very <laughs> apropos title Race. On water, other skulls have plowed. And leaving just as little mark, I pull and hear the shoreline crowd cheer every stroke toward the dark. Yeah, if I could snap, I'd be snapping right now. <laughs> Got you. Awesome. All right. Guys, that was beautiful. Um, I feel like we learned a lot today. This was especially philosophical, literary, yeah. intellectual episode Very of Accepted Mystery. And I feel Very good. Fulfilling. I feel like I've, I've had my mind expanded. I think so, too. So thank okay, you, guys. You're one of our best guests. I love you. Yeah, Me? you are. Oh. You're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You really raised the level of, like, intellectualism. You did. And yeah. Discourse. You did. Oh, thank you. I mean, I love all our other guests, you guys. I love all you. But, you know, Franco really brought her eight plus I, Well, thank you. I, uh, you guys are awesome. Love being on here. We'll have you back on JFIO. <laughs> um, so let's round, wrap this up quick by just saying, Franco, if people want to find you and the things you do on the internet, where can they go? Um, they oh, stay tuned. Well, okay, for now they can find me at um, at iFrancophone, though I hardly tweet. But when I do, it's worth it. It's worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
quality, not quantity, Franco. That's right, people. It's like once every two years, basically. (laughs) So, yeah. um, I'm hoping to have some sketches online soon, but those are not up yet. Oh, wow. Don't look for Have you been doing some, like, video sketches and stuff? Uh, Filmed nothing yet, but um, I've written a a sketch or two, and, and there's one in the works that it will be somewhat of an endeavor so we'll see awesome yeah sweet yeah um you can find me on twitter i tweet a little bit more than franco but probably not (laughs) much more than that um and sometimes you like you like you write interesting stuff too you've published a cool good articles and stuff yeah so read a lot of legal stuff yeah so read uh, jackie's legal opinions yeah you can (laughs) read my well i guess then i mean you could find me at the clinic if you really (laughs) (laughs) also so you can find me at at macleana on twitter m-a-c-q-u-e-l-i-n-e or sometimes i post funny stuff not really sometimes and then like copyright articles or like entertainment law things on my entertainment law blog come to her with your copyright questions or tell her she's wrong about jupiter ascending Either yeah, way. don't do that because I will laugh in your face and it's not true. That movie sucks. Sorry, I love Josh. Um, but better than that is my Instagram, which is actually, like, I think, funnier than my Twitter. So um, full period metal period Jackie on Instagram. Yeah. Guys, I'm on Twitter at Radio TFB. I'm on Instagram at Radio TFB. You can find my stuff at joshrichman.net. You already know all this because you subscribe to this podcast, so I'm assuming. <laughs> Let's wrap this up quick because we all we all have plans today. We're all busy, busy people. We are so, we ha- so cool. <laughs> so we have to go. <laughs> a lot to- of plans, y'all. We gotta go. <laughs> so yeah, we gotta go like to our now. We, we gotta go to our cool engagements. But <laughs> it's been a real pleasure. Um, we, I thought this was gonna be our third to last episode, but it turns out we've uh, like found a way. More. <laughs> yeah, we found a way to add a couple. Oh um, yeah. Next week, I think we're actually going to be tackling the original Lady Killers, starring Alec Guinness from the fifties. Oh, ah, uh, which I, I can, know. I know, I can, which I can tell you is going to be as a million times better than the one we watched. Well, was, I'll watch anything know. that's better than the Lady Killers that we watched. <laughs> I, Sorry, I, so I just preface Jackie. I haven't seen it since I was like ten, but at ten I hated it. So uh, I don't know what the we'll hell. see. Well, it's not a movie for children, obviously. <laughs> yeah, Franco. Jeez. I might love it now. So yeah, yeah maybe. All right. I, maybe that's a ringing endorsement for it. Really, yeah, exactly. that I hated it at ten. Yeah. <laughs> You're all tainted. You're going to love it. <laughs> yep. Anyways, guys, uh, until next time, peace and love. Peace and love.